football, football, and oh yeah, more football. We got loads of fantastic football topics next, right here on the Educated Ignorance Podcast. This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday. Tuesday will be a quick-hitting reaction of the Monday night football game, as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football, as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season, where we will reveal the top eight teams according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac Fulton. He will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games. Throughout the year, our best big our best six picks of the weeks. We will also have some betting stuff in there as well against the spread, over-unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance podcast here on the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. On today's episode of the podcast, we are going to have, uh, of course, our Sinister Six segment. We have that at the end of our show. We have Mac joining us great great stuff hard week to do with the only college football but i think we nailed it we had some pretty good stuff and uh to start the show got a little bit about maybe 15 or so minutes i got about 10 teams that i'm really really you know either nervous or very confident on with my over under picks we did the nfl over under podcast back what a month or so ago now um and i give my takes on that so uh yeah great episode uh, here next week we will I will say our, we'll definitely drop an episode on Tuesday we'll have some quick early like uh, week one Matt like week week college football week one reactionary stuff we'll do a preseason NFL Elite Eight next Tuesday then next Friday we'll have the week the Bills Rams game uh, you know review and the Sinister Six and then the week after that will be the first full three episode pod, uh, three week, three episode week, uh, pod week. So that's just a little bit of housekeeping. Other than that, we will get to it right now. Buckle up, let's strap in another episode here of the Educated Ignorance Podcast. Let's get it on, baby. hit on a couple topics to start this show that I haven't really touched on oddly enough and oddly enough we did kind of a huge podcast for this back um, 
almost a month ago now. We did the over-unders pod. We had Ethan, Nick, Mac, Blake, all on the show for it. A big shouts to them. Uh, they help keep the content train rolling here, my guys. Um, and we did the over-unders pod. And I wanted to just kind of touch on some of them that I really loved or hated. Um, I've got, what, eight, ten almost? What, five? and Yeah, I've got ten here that that I've got five on each side. Five that I think I are really confident hits um or fades and five that I four that I definitely think I'm gonna regret and then one of them that I'm questionable on. Let's go kind of one at a time here. I wanna start with the Bengals. I've said oh under nine and a half. And I even said at the time I was very questionable on this team for the fact that it's I've never been so indifferent about a team coming in because, like, when you look at last year with how they had some of their wins with the the last-second victories and the crazy stuff that happened and how they won some of their games, you add that into the next season, and it's like, yeah, you're going to have that drop off. But they also had a huge weakness at O-line, and they addressed it. And the crazy part is a team like the Bengals hasn't really gone as serious as that over the years and address those big needs. They did that with this team and I love it, but I'm just, I, I was just so, so unsure on this group and, and what they're going to do and the, for the, like where they're at for the future. Very, very hard to kind of gauge what they would be like this year. Like you think the regression would come down uh, or the aggression would hit with the close wins or turning into losses and stuff like that, but man, I don't know. Like, I really do believe that this team is going to have a very good year again. I think I'm going to miss on this, mainly because, like, even at ten and seven, I'm missing. And I feel like Burrow is going to have a good year, barring health, for this team with receivers and stuff and mixing. And maybe I'm. I think I. I feel like I missed on this one. Here's one I'm really confident on: is the Bucks under 11 and a half now with the injuries up front for them all three of their starting inside the inside line interior line that I should say when you go back to their Super Bowl in 2021 uh all gone now and this team you know Ryan Jensen done for the year injured a couple weeks ago I'm really fading the Bucks. I do I think there's some stuff there when you look at the Julio Jones signing and uh, some possibilities on how they can use them. I do, but I'm really worried about this group's offense and the pressure they're going to allow and the, the 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 feeling around Brady. I'm just really, really unsure on on how they're going to take steps forward throughout this season. I really am worried about that uh, for, about that for them, which makes me confident in my underpick. I, I I just don't think I don't think they're gonna be. I I don't think twelve wins for them is even feasible. Like if they hit twelve and five, that would be a massive like year for Brady, like MVP level stuff. And I just don't see it happening this season for them. Nothing against Brady. It's just I don't see their offense being good enough to be able to, to have that type of momentum and wins. Go back to the other side here, one that I'm nervous on. I went under 6.5 for the Jags, and 
I should have went over. I think this team's going to probably win eight or nine games. Um, if I was doing this again, I'd go over. Everyone else, I believe, other than Mac, went over on me. Yeah, so Blake, Nick, and Ethan all went over. Mac and I went under. I think this is an absolute over hit. I just think there's too many positive positive things here for them. You look at the Urban Meyer thing from last year. I really that think I'm going to steal this from ben, Bill Simmons. <laughs> that, that should be a – that like – in five or ten years, that the Urban Meyer season for the Jags should be a, a Netflix untold documentary. Like Jesus Christ, what a what a shit show! But when you add to that, year two Trevor Lawrence, the addition of Doug Peterson, the addition of all the offensive weapons, all the guys that are going to be better for them, their schedule. Like, look, well, here's the thing with the Jags: they're going to have to win games that you know normally they don't. I think they can. I think they can at least get to seven, even seven and ten for them. I think would it be it'd be a massive improvement for them, and it'd be a really step in the big step in the right direction. But I think they'll be higher than that. I think eight or nine wins is definitely on the table for the Jags this year. Uh, another one I'm confident in the Minnesota Vikings, eight over eight and a half. And I know I got kind of drugged through the mud on this. I think this is going to be a big year for Kirk Cousins, a big year for Jamar Jefferson, uh, for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen back and rolling. Addition by subtraction with the with new head coach Kevin O'Connor as well as uh the with losing Mike Zimmer. I'm really, really big on this team. Again, I love, love, love this team for best NFC record. I think twelve or thirteen wins is ex is absolutely on the table. I think they're gonna win the NFC North or be right there with it with Green Bay. Either way, even if they get to like 11, over 8.5, absolute stealing money, I think you'll see some defensive improvements. You'll see late-game management improvements. Kirk, if he just keeps up the improve, the, the numbers and they continue to, to do stuff in the passing game, especially with O'Connell coming over, I think that'll be big for them. You'll see some other intricate ways for them to get Dalvin Cook involved. They obviously have a great backup RB as well in Alexander Madison. I love everything about this Vikings team, and I think they're going to be great this season in the regular season. I'm not picking them to make any playoff noise, but I think regular season-wise, they're going to have a huge, huge hit. And the NFC, NFC is wide open. So, I mean, it's anyone's ballgame in the NFC to, to, take that, to take that brass ring. Speaking of the NFC North, we'll look at the Packers. Oh, under 10.5, I guess... I was underselling the weapons for them. I think 11-6 and six at worst is absolutely on the cards for them, so that's why I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not as worried about this as, like, the Bengals or the Jags pick, um, but I definitely believe that this, this Packers team is really going to grind games out on the ground. I think they'll do enough through the air, but I think they have two really dynamic running backs, and I think their defense is going to be awesome like they just got dudes everywhere they got they got great stuff up front they have a great middle linebacker Devondic, Devondre Campbell they have great guys in the backfields in the defensive backfield with Savage and Amos and then obviously Russell Douglas and Jair Alexander who's one of the best corners in the world and and offensively I think you get some offensive line stuff back and I think they're gonna be very dynamic on the ground and Rodgers's workload will be extremely limited compared to the last few years and it could be a very efficient season for him. And it also could be one where he just doesn't have to work as much because they have guys that are doing stuff for them. So I'm excited to see how it, how it looks without Adams, but I think it can be very effective. 
Another one that I'm really confident on now as we sift to the other side is the Cowboys under 10.5. I think this team's going to have a tough year, and now Tyron Smith is out for the majority of the season, potentially the entire season. Under 10.5 is what I went with. I absolutely think that is going to hit. I absolutely believe that they are going to struggle this year, even though I might actually hammer them for week one because uh, I think, again, it's part of fading the Bucks. I'm fading the Cowboys a little bit less, but I think 10.5, way too high. I think 9-8 and eight is on the table. I think the Eagles are absolutely the team to beat right now. In the NFC East, and that's even with me thinking Jalen Hurts isn't a good quarterback because I think the, the, the sum of the parts of the Eagles are going to be better this year than the sum of the parts of the Cowboys. Last team that I'm really nervous about on the over-under is the under 10.5 for the Chiefs. I was worried that... Like, I'm just not really sure what to think about this team because part of me is like, well, yeah, it's the Chiefs. Mahomes is going to have the fuck you season. The problem is, like, he just doesn't have the game breakers. And I should maybe have gone over because I think just the AFC West is going to be great. And, like, I wouldn't be shocked if all four teams end up with, like, 10 or 11 wins and their only losses, the majority of them are against each other. Like, I think they're all really good. Um, but for the Chiefs, man, it's just, can you do enough in the defensive backfield? Can you, can you win those matchups? Can you do defensive stuff without having to worry about the gimmick style defense that they run? Like, can they actually get legit stops, which they have struggled with? Can they do enough on the outside? I'm nervous just because of the Mahomes factor. Like, he finished, like, here's an example. The NFL 100 came out. They ranked him eighth. I think he's somewhere between, like, three and eight. Uh, but you definitely know he's going to have a game where he goes off and he's going to hold up eight fingers and flip everyone off and be pissed, yada, yada, whatever. But my point is, like, it's just Mahomes is going to have the, oh, you all think these guys are better than me season. So I wouldn't be shocked if they just rattled off 12, 13 wins because that's who they are. Like, they're a really good team. And... Their schedule is just tough, and I think they'll get hot at the end of the year. I should have went over because even I think 11-6 and six is probably where they end up. So I goofed on that one. Um, um, fading. Another team I'm fading is the Seattle Seahawks. Under 5.5. They're starting Geno Smith. There was like a five-minute period of life where I really liked Drew Locke in Missouri. But he couldn't beat Geno Smith out for a starting quarterback job. In 2022, that, my friend, is tough. And, uh, yeah, team led by Geno Smith that could barely float around 500 with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. They lost a bunch of stuff on defense. Uh, their offensive line's not good, though. Charles Cross could be really good. People think the Seahawks are like a sneaky 500 team. I think you're on crack. Seahawks are going to be horrific. Other team real quick that I'm confident on is the Dolphins. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. Um, I think their offense is going to be... I don't think they're going to be all-world, but I think it's going to be really good. Tyree kills just a dynamic motherfucker, man. And at the end of the day, did the Dolphins probably give up too much to get him? Meh. I don't think so, because I think in this league now, it pays to have dudes like that. 
It's my thing, like, with the Chiefs. Like, you can't tell me, and even the Packers, to an extent, you can't tell me how important it is to have these guys, and then when, they're, when their team at the, that position, at the, at the skill position, is so bad, like the Chiefs, even the Packers, and you think they're going to be awesome. It's like, I, that's what I am get confused by. Like, I can't, like, it's one or the other. It can't be both. Um, but I will say this for the B- Dolphins. Waddle and Hill are amazing. I think Asiki's good. They got a stable running backs. Mike McDaniel's going to do enough as an offensive guy for this team to be, for this team to do stuff. I think the over eight and a half is absolute money here for them. Ten wins should be on the docket. The only question is the O line. They need Taron Arms, uh, Tevin Armstead to, or Toronto Armstead, excuse me, to, to be healthy. And Connor Williams to actually have a good year coming over. They got to have those things hit on the O line to actually protect. I think their defense will be good. Um, I love some of the stuff they've done. And if all those things can can add up, this team can be really good. I don't think they'll fight for the Bills. Oh, with the Bills for the AFC East, that's just because I think the Bills might go like 14-3. and three. They're going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And then uh, my my last one I'm nervous on just because, again, I think the NFC West is really good, or AFC West can be really good. I think it could very well be the Dolphins and this or another team fighting for that last wild card spot. This is the Raiders. I went under 8.5 mainly because of last year with all the, the the way they were able to win these close games. I feel like they're def, definitely due to hit the negative regression. The thing that gives me confidence in my underpick is that their defense is horrendous. The thing that gives me uh, caution is they added two blue chip level guys. They added a top 10 to 15 dude in the league and at Devonte Adams, and they added another top 20 to 30 ish dude in Chandler Jones on each, like high level wide receiver, high level edge rusher. And they added two blue chip guys. Now they have two high level edge rushers on the same team and Jones on one side and Max Crosby on the other. The problem is the other nine dudes on their defense are very meh. Outside of Nate Hobbs, shout out to Nate Hobbs. Or excuse me, Kirby Joseph is, I believe, on the Raiders. One of those two. Shout out to the Illinois University of Chief Linewick. Regardless, <laughs> it's not great. And even if their offense is efficient, which it very, it could be, and they and they and Derek Carr has a good season, which that should be the case. Like they've got weapons, Renfro in the slot. Devontae Adams on the outside, Darren Waller as a tight end. If only they had a speedster slot who could take the top off of defense. Sad. You just you all know what I'm talking about. It's sad. Uh, that would be like if they had a, just a little bit better defense, then this team could be a Super Bowl contender. Really. They really could. But their problem is I feel like their defense is going to give up too much in too many key situations. That's why I don't trust them. But, yeah, there's 10 teams that I either am really confident in or am very nervous about with my over-under picks. We'll have more. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll have Mac on the other side of this with our Sinister Six picks for the weekend. For week one of college football, uh, we'll have that next. <laughs> 
Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. With baseball playoffs right around the corner over a month away and the NFL and college football seasons right on our tail, it's the perfect time of year to get your daily fantasy sports life in order. For Frequency Sake has you covered every single week. Tune in to For Frequency Sake's DFS Deep Dive on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch every Friday evening and uploaded every Saturday morning on your favorite podcast platform where Brian and the boys will be giving you the best daily fantasy sports advice for each and every week to help you fatten your wallet this season. Again, on every Friday night live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch, and of course uploaded on your favorite podcast platform on Saturday mornings. DFS advice, DFS deep dive here on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. All right, I got Mac here with me for our Sinister Six, our first one of the year, also our hardest one of the year because this is a full slate of college football games. As you probably remember from last season, every Thursday, this year it's going to be Friday because I actually, A, have the equipment and B, have the the willpower to stay up after Thursday night games this year, considering the Thursday night NFL slate is absolutely juiced. Uh, you know, when you sell a brand new subscription thing based around NFL games, you have to have to deliver on that. And man, they have. So we're going to do a lot of Friday pods this year based around the Thursday night game from the NFL. But we're also going to have the sinister six and Mac is, pretty much going to be on it with us every week we're going to record it we're recording this Wednesday night um and this is definitely like I said going to be our hardest one of the year because you got to come up with six college games that are a entertaining enough and b have good enough like actions on spreads that we can make this fun but Mac I'm excited for us to have this all year I think this is going to be a really a really like fun thing that we get to do uh and I'm excited to have you on this I appreciate you having me here, man. But let's just make some people some money, I guess. I know, right? Uh, last year we had a the the weeks we were doing the Sinister Six stuff. We did it wasn't spread. It didn't have any spread orientation on it. But now that I got Mac with me, I feel like we can put our heads together and put some good good stuff together. So we got six college games. At, again, we're recording this Wednesday, and even though there's a good chance this will come out on Thursday. This pod, we're not doing any Thursday games just because of the habit of we're not going to have those kind of things. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to have those on the pods for any college or NFL Thursday games throughout the season. So I didn't want to get us off track. There was a possibility of we we left it open to some Friday games, like games that probably just met, like if we were doing Thursday Mac. Definitely the backyard brawl game would be on here. The West Virginia uh, was, pit game. Yeah, that was definitely the number one. Um. And then, like, we had, I think one of the games that just missed the, the cut 
was Illinois, Indiana. That's a game on Friday. Friday, yeah. There was a couple others <laughs> sprinkled around. Like one of them, I think you mentioned, was TCU, Colorado. But uh, so those are just some games that got left on the cutting room floor. But I think we got six good ones, and let's get into it. Our first one is Houston at the Alamo Dome against the Roadrunners, Uni uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. Last year, UTSA had a dream season all the way to up until the, I think it was week 10 or 11, before they finally got their first loss. Uh, they got clipped against uh, North Texas and then losing by double digits against South Dakota, or excuse me, San Diego State in their bowl game. But this is a UTSA team that's returning some stars. They got starters. They got their quarterback back. Houston uh, coming into this game, ranked in the top 25. True road game. That game, I mean, being where it is, this game is probably going to be packed. I know Mac was saying if he still lived in that area, he would go to it. You should just go anyway, honestly. It's a little Saturday drive. Uh, it's a holiday weekend. It's a nine-hour drive for me, though. <laughs> okay, that's tough. That's, <laughs> that's big tough. You got me on that one, bud. Uh, but, yeah, I think this could be a, a fantastic fa and fascinating game. The line is four, uh, UTSA plus four and a half, over under of 61 and a half. Uh, Mac, we'll lead it to you. I guess first, your, break, your thoughts on this game. Houston, a very trendy pick to possibly be a New Year's Six crasher. Uh, so they're going to have a lot of momentum on them here. I think the, the spread is probably in the right uh -huh. area. But your thoughts on your thoughts on uh, this game in general? Well, I think this is going to be probably the most. It might be go down as the most entertaining game we have on Saturday. Um, I don't think people are going to realize it, being that it's not going to be a national broadcast, like a huge broadcast game. But we're talking about a Houston team who was twelve and two last year, coached by Daniel Holgerson. We know one thing and the Daniel Holgerson offense, they're going to throw the ball, and they're going to throw the ball a ton. Um, so this game might last, you know, four, four and a half hours, but it's going to be definitely entertaining to watch. UTSA last year, like you said, they had a really strong start to the season. They fell, they kind of fell apart a little bit late to the end, uh, losing late to North Texas and then having a, you know, a game against San Diego State where they lost in a close one. I think they're going to come back this year. Uh, they'll keep this game close. They'll definitely go on the over side of 61 and a half. And I do think Houston does cover though. So you have Houston minus four and a half. That is also what I have. I think Houston's going to be really good. They're returning a lot of, of guys and they scored a bunch last year. They're score going to score a bunch this year. Dana Holderson really landing in the right spot. And it seemed like Houston was possibly, you know, they had that run in the mid-2010s when they were really surging as, I mean, remember they had Greg Ward as their QB for a few years. They were really surging as one of the darlings. Uh, they beat Florida State in the Peach Bowl, I believe it was 2016, uh, or the 2017 Peach Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. So this is a team that has a lot and uh, garnished a lot of love. 2016 Peach Bowl, actually, my, my apologies. That's when they beat Florida State. So they, this is a team that you know has been around. They had a couple of years where they weren't as high level, but last year they were. They only people forget they only had two losses, and one of those was a game where they Cincinnati. were. Yeah, they were in a dogfight with Cincinnati all the way till the wire. 
um, before Cincinnati kind of pulled away late. And they beat Auburn, who granted, you know, by the end of the year they were 6-6 six and six and – who, but they, it was a team that was at one point, that Auburn team last year was at 1.5-2 and two before Bo Nix got hurt and they fell to, fell off the rails. Uh, they beat them 17-13 in the bowl game last year, so a lot of momentum for them coming back. I agree with you. I think minus 4.5 for Houston. I'm not going to go with the, any over-under here, but uh, I, I think Houston covers. I don't know about covers with ease, but I feel like UTSA doesn't have the magic that they had last year. Plus... When you think of their non-con last year, they didn't have anybody as tough as this well, on their what schedule. What I'm saying is, like, when they're going to cover with these, I think a touchdown, if you say they won by a touchdown, they, they covered it fairly easily at that point. That's kind of where I'm coming out with it. That's fair. I do think this game will be exciting for a bit, but I think Houston is going to pull away uh, when things get when things get tough. All right, let's move on. We got Cincinnati and Arkansas. This game is in Fayetteville, Arkansas, favored by six and a half. The over-under is 51 and a half. All right, Mac, this is interesting because it's a very sexy line if you feel like Cincinnati is... The, not exactly, obviously, the same team from last year. They lost a shit ton of pros. But if you feel like this is a team that's not going to have that fall off, and it's also a sexy line if you think Arkansas might be a little bit overrated for losing from guys from last season. I don't think either is true, at least for the sense I don't think Arkansas is overrated, and I don't think Cincinnati is going to fall off. I think they're a well-coached team. I think keeping Luke Fickle was a big-time thing for them. I'm leaning Cincinnati covering here the six and a half. So I won't be shocked if Arkansas wins, but I've, I'm really excited to see where the Cincinnati program is. This is going to be, though, kind of a statement moment for them where they're going to want to go out there and prove that, you know, just because we made the playoff, like that's not enough for us. We want to continue to win. So I'm excited to see them go out there and try to seize that opportunity in a true road game to start the season. What an opportunity for them. I'm not going to pick them to straight up win, but I will pick them to cover. I think six and a half Come is a on. fantastic number for them. Um, actually, fuck it. <laughs> I think they're going to win. They'll, they're beating All Arkansas. Right. Okay. I've got plus six and a half, but I also got parentheses money line. You can absolutely hammer this money line for Cincinnati and make – Make make it rain. Um, they're going to win this one in honor of the boys, of De for Desmond Ritter, for Sauce Gardner, for Kobe, and all those guys from last year's team. It's going to be fun to see what they look like. It's going to be fun to see how they respond and seize the opportunity, and I think this team will do that. See, I this, one is, this line I think is the most accurate line that the, the bookkeepers have put out. For week one, I think six and a half is is going to be right around where this score is going to hover most of the day. Um, my concern on the Cincinnati side is you lost your heart and soul and Desmond Ritter, and defensively your secondary took a beating. Yeah, they had of, they, of the draft. They lost <laughs> maybe the best player in college football last year <laughs> outside of Will Anderson. And, 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 I was saying it's crazy to think this because remember. Uh, 
Kobe Bryant, yes, he wasn't even the best player on the team. He was still getting recognized as one of the top corners in the country. Uh-huh. So, so like, this is, the, I think, Arkansas coming in with a very established quarterback and A.J. Jefferson. I think they're going to be able to sling it around on the secondary because there are you know, a bunch of new pieces. They're still trying to get the mesh together. I don't think they're going to be prepared enough to take on that task. And I think I have Arkansas – uh, covering, I think it's going to be a ten point win for them. Mac is hammering the the favorites this week. All right, so our first disagreement. I think we're on this one here together. North Carolina versus Appalachian State. This game in Boone. That game. That place is going to be absolutely melting with North Carolina coming to town. The Mountaineers are, as of this moment, this this line is faster than a Scott Dixon Indy 500 pole lap. It is moving all over the place. It was, at one point, I think somewhere between two and three. It's now at, it was as of yesterday at plus .5. It's now plus one and a half for App State. This has been all over the place. So... Appalachian State in North Carolina. I am excited for this game because it's the it will be hilarious if game, and I think it's going to be hilarious because I think App State's going to win, and I'm kind of confident they're going to do it. But, Matt, I'll let you go first on what you're feeling here. So I think this game is going to be really fun to watch. In-state rivalry, this place, is, like Boone's going to be electric for this game. I do think... North Carolina does provide a lot of weapons on the outside with one of their top receivers and Josh Downs um, coming off a really strong week last week. And I think he's going to have another strong game, but the, the fact that but. it's in Boone, the fact that it's in Boone at state, just take this in since the start of the college football playoff era, Appalachian state is one of the top five teams record wise throughout all of the country. Bro, can like we they have? Can we take a quick have, moment once you're done to re- go ahead? Go ahead. I'll let you finish real quick. Okay. Like I said, they are a top five. They have the, the I think the fifth best record in college football since the inception of the college football playoff, and that means that's essentially when they came up and started playing in the Sun Belt Conference. So I think that the, the progression that they've done is going to show again, and I think they're going to upset them. I'm going to take money line. I think. The point, yeah, the points are great, but I think App State's going to win this game outright. Yeah, with it at one and a half, if you're taking App State plus one and a half, you might as well take a money line, right? Well, I mean, if you're, you should just do both. You should just parlay that at that point. Yeah, uh, you should do stuff like that. Or if you're getting fancy and you're, you could tease, like you could tease Arkansas down to like one or two and and give App State like plus five or six. You could do stuff like that. Um, you know, make yourself feel good about it. But I was going to say, can we give some love to the to the Sun Belt? Because the Sun Belt's kind of loaded. I would honestly say they're the this going into this year, they're the best conference in the group of five. They have to be, right? All right, so App State. Coastal Carolina. Coastal. Liberty. Like, that's just three. ULL. ULL, even though they lost Billy Napier, like, I still think they're going to be pretty good. 
this is a conference that's really, really solid at the top. In the middle, it's you know you got teams like Old Dominion, South Alabama, who are who are all right. Uh, another team like Georgia Southern, um, Middle Tennessee, those type of teams. They're you know they're they're all right. Georgia State even, but I think at the top, top like you have game. those four teams. That's really good. Like I I really like that. Like App State, Coastal, Liberty, and and ULL. I think are really good teams. See, I wouldn't be shocked going forward with the with the Sun Belt if there is more realignment in college football that the big conferences start looking at those top teams in the Sun Belt. Well, yeah, especially when you look at obviously BYU's in an indie, but they're going to be in the Big Twelve. You, the American is losing their two best teams in Houston and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, so who? I mean, these conferences are just getting sniped. You know, like the best group of five team after. Uh, the Big Twelve realignment in a few years is going to be what? It's like going to be App State. Mem- I yeah, like outside of that Sun Belt League, it's going to be like what? Memphis and the American, and then whoever's the top in the MAC. I don't even like or the Mountain West. Maybe Toledo. Yeah, like Boise State. Oh, they're going. Never mind. They're going to the. Aren't isn't Boise State in the tra- like in the one two in the Big or Twelve? Are they staying in the Mountain West? I think they're yeah. staying in the Mountain West. But, yeah, you're not getting much. Then, like, the MAC hasn't had, like, a legitimate team, like, at that high level since the mid-2000s when you had, like, Bowling, Bowling Green. Well, I guess, yeah, at NIU. Other than 20, NIU. 2010, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, other than that, teams. Well, hold on, are, no. Western Michigan was there with P.J. Oh, Fleck. Oh, yeah, with P.J. Fleck, yeah. Or, so every, like, four or five years, the the MAC gets a team that just gets hot. They pop it. They, the team just pops, yeah. So, hey. You know what that means? Pick Central Michigan to cover Oklahoma State Thursday because it's their time. <laughs> That's their year. Uh, all right. Here comes a doozy. This is interesting. Oof. This is going to be juice. The Oregon Ducks and the Georgia Bulldogs. The defending champs. The Georgia Bulldogs. Mac Fulton. Plus 16.5 for the, for the Ducks. Over under 53.5. Uh, this is the first uh, total I'm betting on. Oh, man. Where you at here, um, You said be... I would be shocked, and it's either on this one or the last one we do. So, shock so, me. I really hate the fact that this game's in Atlanta. Just going to put that out there right now. But fucking, I do th- brutal. Hey, let's play these. <laughs> let's play these non-con <laughs> games for SC- as SEC teams. And let's play let's it at a neutral up. site where these teams gotta dr- fly like ten hours and across not- the fucking country. My problem here is this is not the first time that Oregon's done it. They did it against Auburn a couple years ago. At least that was only the Dallas. I mean, it's not that big of a difference, but I mean that was a- so Auburn had Dude, to actually it- travel a little bit. But good God. This is Oregon no, getting the Come shaft. On. My my thing here is week one. We look back to last year with work with with Georgia. Week one was their worst game they played all season. I know it's very very conflicting. Like I so this thought is, about this in I, bed the other night, and then I fucking i i flip flopped on this like nine times. So I would not be shocked at all. 
if this game is a replicate a replication of what that Clemson Georgia game was last year. Okay, can I before you go any further? Can I counter my my point here? Like what I'm going to say is before you go on. Okay, I think Oregon has a substantially better quarterback play than what Clemson did going into that game last year with Bo Nix. Now, correct, but but Bo Nix kind of sucks. He's better than DJ Ugawala. He very well could be. So my point here is I'm going to take the 16 and a half. That's a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to take the under on the 53 and a half. Yeah, okay. Uh... I, don't, I don't know if I can put Oregon outright. But I do think this game is going to be very close. It's going to be like a 14 to 10, 13 7 kind of game. Okay. So I'm also on the under. I think the under is going to get mauled here. Even though I kind of am on the other end of this here. So I think like, I'm thinking we're going to get like, uh, I feel so dumb for this, but I'm going ballsy here to take Georgia covering and the under. And and I'll get to it in a second. But I think we could easily get like a 31 to 10 type of game. And the under hits there. Under 53 and a half. If you get like 31 to 10, if you get even like 27 to 10, under hits I, and you cover. I just, my issue here is yes, Stetson Bennett's going to be coming off his best game as a Georgia Bulldog and against I, Alabama. My reasoning honestly has nothing to do with Georgia's. I don't, I don't of the know. Ball. With the fact, like, with the with the amount of talent Georgia lost to the draft this last year, I understand Georgia's like Alabama. They, they don't rebuild. They reload every year. Exactly. But the fact is you lost, I believe, six guys in the first round. It's a lot. It's a lot of guys. That defense is not going to be the same. They're still going to be very good. They're not going to be the same. No, but I don't think Oregon has the dudes. The thing I'm worried about here is this. Who's really the only team? I hate making this comparison, but just go with me. Who's the only team in the Pac-12 that is "quote unquote" built to actually hang with a team that is like a team in the SEC that is You're good in the trenches? Say it's the USC. No, it's going to be Georgia. It's, it's going to be Georgia. No, or not Georgia, Utah. Yeah, Utah is the yeah. They're because the they have the offense. they have the trenches. Now USC does because of the they dudes the they have. But even USC, I think if they rolled out and played like a G- Georgia or a Texas A&M, they would have a massive deficit because of the fact that they would my, get their ass beat in the trenches. Okay, my question for you then is, okay, we saw the, we saw a team who I think we both can agree was really good last year in the trenches against Georgia. Like They played Georgia, and that's Michigan. They play between the tackles. They play hard-nosed football. They have really good ed rushers. They have you know really solid offensive line, defensive line. They did, and they got they got owned. Well, no, here's my point. So Georgia, well, Georgia. The problem for that was Georgia could not. Michigan could not block Georgia. Um, that defensive line may be the greatest D line in college football history last year. The point I'm trying to get at is, I'm just saying. I know it's a different year, but Utah last year absolutely took Oregon to the woodshed twice and bullyballed them. It's hard for me to think that Georgia won't. Like, 
do I think that they're better? They're going to be better when it's time to nut up in those type of games than last year. I would hope. I think the fact that they have a guy that QB that, granted, I've I'm not sold on. I think he's average at best, but is he better than Anthony Brown? I would hope so. Uh, so I just think Oregon doesn't have the dudes to be able to keep it close. That's what I'm worried about because I went back and forth. I was like, man, Georgia went toe-to-toe or Georgia lost all these guys, and what if Oregon just kind of plays smart and they hang around? They should be able to easily cover. But then it's just like, how is Oregon going to move the damn ball? That's what I'm worried about. Like, even though those guys are gone, they're still loaded. Like they are again. Like I said, they're not rebuilding. They're definitely reloading. But I think Oregon. The what is the one thing we've always thought about Oregon when they think about recruits? Like, it doesn't matter what position. They're they're built for speed. And they've always been built for speed, and I think they have the speed to match the speed of Georgia. It's, they're going to have to have that. They're going to have to have their best day on at the O-line spot in a while. It's going to take something miraculous to make me forget about watching Utah just push them around for eight okay. quarters last you year. Remember, this is a diff- That's where this I'm is at. This a different era for Oregon football. Like it's This is Dan Lanning's first year. So. No, I know. I'm just saying that's where I'm at. So you, real quick, you got Oregon covering in the under, right? Yes. You're probably right here. Like you are – I just I can't I can't go far enough to say that they're going to win. I would I want to, but I that would I be do bold. Think because here's the thing too. I know you mentioned the Clemson game. Clemson was the only team in the country outside of Bama that could actually give Georgia a run for their money up front. Like that's the only team that could make. And the I thing too. Saying, here's the thing I too. I, I Real quick, here's, the thing here as well is you have compared to last season going into week one, and I was going to mentioning how. Their offense week one last year looked gross, and obviously Clemson was able to do stuff defensively to make that happen. But last year going into week one, they had injured guys at the wide receiver position. They weren't really they had they didn't have much continuity. Also, the you know, they had a QB starting and JT Daniels who really isn't that good. And they maybe would have been better with Stetson starting. I don't know. But regardless that week one last year compared to this year, they're going to have so much more continuity on offense. You are adding a guy in Eric Gilbert who I think may be a little overrated, but I think it's a great addition to that tight end room. Obviously with Brock Bowers, who is an absolute dog. Uh, they have good receivers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who replaces Zeus White and Jameer or, and James Cook at running back. But I'm just – my point, like, too, is comparing to the Clemson game – it, I don't think it's really the best thing because Clemson, I think, was really, like I said, the only team that could match Georgia up front. And Georgia's continuity on offense going into week last one last year was really, really dumbed down schematically compared to what I think it will be this year going into week one. Okay. So I agree with you. I really do. I'm not trying to say that you're wrong or anything here. But I'm going to go back to your point about the teams that can match in the trenches. You said it's only Alabama outside of Clemson that could do it. I was going to say offensively, I think in the trenches, Ohio State could match that defense fairly well. 
right. no, in that I, offensive line. I was just saying teams they played. I wasn't trying to no, compare. I, I, no, yeah. I agree. I agree. I understand what you're saying, but I was going to throw that out there just to make sure that you know we covered that base. That's fair. But so I know what your I know what your now. brand is, bro. I get it. So rewind that back now to where we were, where we're here now. I think yes, you're going to have more continuity on this offense, but you got to also remember you're going to be losing your key targets on the outside. Oh, your main target on the outside, and George Pickens. Um, the run game. I mean, it was it was their bread and butter last year. I don't know if it's going to be able to replicate the way it did last year. Which I mean, their run game essentially opened up their offense for everything that Sutton Bennett wanted to do. Right. No, I get it. And then I also have concerns on that defensive side of the ball, which I've already pointed out, where they lost a lot of players to the draft and. It's really telling after you win a national championship, you have players immediately transferred to the team that you just beat. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> wild. It's wild how that happened. But, <laughs> so just, but you're, no, like, I get that's it. A con- that's my concern. That's fair. It's a fair concern. So you got Georgia winning probably, but you have Oregon covering. I have Georgia covering, yeah. but we both have the under. So at least we agree on something. Yes. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with the two games that I actually am going to be able to sit back and relax for, and I can't wait because these two games are going to be absolute juice. We'll have more of that after this on the Educating Response. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at 4 Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is for QC.com for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. All right, it's money time. We are through four of the six Sinister Six picks with Mac. We have two to go. We have the biggest two of the night. Two primetime games. We're going to start with, what a doozy this is. In Gainesville, we have Utah going on, t- going to Gainesville. The balls to do this, by the way. Two Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. Uh, Utah, two and a half point favorites in Gainesville. Over under is 51 and a half. I'm so excited for this. We're going to learn a lot about how good Florida is under Billy Napier his first year, Mac. We're going to learn if Utah can carry it over and still have the, you know, I mean, look, man, last year to end that season was a massive moment for them because it's been a while since somebody outside of, like, the big three or four in college football has been able to say, hey, we hung with these dudes and, like, like, we belong in that top tier. The only game I can think of, really, is, like, when Notre Dame beat Clemson, when Trevor Lawrence, you know, was out with COVID, but then they rematched that same year and with Trevor playing and Clemson dog-walked them. So, like, out there hasn't been a moment where a, a quote-unquote outsider, Mac, has hung with a big boy like Utah did Ohio State in the Rose Bowl back in January. On New I kind of I, I agree with what you're saying. I I feel like that game was kind of similar. 
I think you had the wrong Clemson Notre Dame game in mind. I think the one that you got to remember is the one in the hurricane where Deshaun Watson won that game against Notre Dame, and that kind of put you know that kind of solidified Clemson to make that run. True, but Clemson wasn't a big dog then, like they were. You know what I'm saying like yeah. that was the game that like they were like, okay, we're here, you know, we're gonna be a top dog. We beat Notre Dame, who was still a really good football, like it was a top tier football team that year. And I mean, that is kind of similar to like what Utah was trying to do. Yeah, I'm just yeah, no, I get, I, I agree. So, but I'm excited for this Utah team. We did our kind of predictions earlier. This is a team that you definitely think is you have them in the playoffs. I, if I had to go gun to my head, I would probably put them in. But I think it's that third and fourth spot is kind of wide open after Bama and OSU. Depending on how stuff goes, we're going to get to Ohio State in a moment. Uh, I'm excited for this game. I think Utah, man, is really, really good. I love what they've got on both sides of the ball. I have them winning. I have them covering. I would not be shocked if they have kind of a step on your dick type of win and they <laughs> win by double digits. Um, I think... Their defense is going to be able to do enough to give Florida fits. And even though I like Billy Napier and I think Florida, if they can actually get – Florida's been so weird because they have their moments of every few years. Uh, I really thought the Dan Mullen thing was going to work, and it did for a bit, and then it crashed and burned. Would I be shocked if Florida won based off this new coach hype with Billy coming in because that's kind of how it seems they roll nowadays? I wouldn't be shocked, but I just don't think they have the guys that to to that they normal like high level Florida teams do to hang with a team like Utah. So I think Utah wins. I think they cover. I also think this will be under. I think this will probably be in the mid twenties at best. So like twenty four to thirteen maybe type of game. Um, I, it probably is a ballsy underpick, but I think Utah definitely wins and they definitely cover. I think they're going to impress a lot of people on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I want to touch on Florida, like you said, bringing in Napier. I think they're going to have a nice little breath of fresh air coming off a season last year where they were, they were when they were good. They were phenomenal. When they were bad, they were god awful. Just think, uh, dude. Think the same team that Florida was that they had some beat Alabama. The same Florida team that almost got beat by Florida State. Uh, fucking yeah, was a two pointer away from taking Bama to OT. I have so, no idea how those two teams existed in the same world. So no, I, clue. yeah, I, I don't understand. And this Florida team, I I will say this year, Florida's offense is very, very experienced. They're going to be like, – they're all juniors and seniors on the offensive line. They still have a lot of – they do have a lot of talent on the outside because Florida is always going to bring in good talent. The big question mark for this team has to be the play of Anthony Richardson. We saw him last year in flashes where he came in, he put a spark into Florida, but he never was that, like, outstanding quarterback that they needed. That, he was very he was very reckless with the ball. And the problem is he can't stay on the fucking field. Yeah, that, I agree 100%. So, I think they're going to win like they're going to stay in this game if they can keep, you know, keep possession, don't make mistakes. Richardson has to have a game of his life like he played against Alabama. Except no, minus em- you know, the turnover, minus that late turnover. <laughs> Emory Jones but, is who played against Alabama. 
he's Emory Jones started, Richardson came in. I don't think you're right on that one. I'm pretty sure it was Emory Jones the whole way. But no, he Jones or a, AR15 had some moments like the LSU game. But like that's the thing, like they're just so inconsistent and again, like he doesn't finish games. Like but like what I'm saying here is Utah potential. I, Utah might be outside of the big three in Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Utah might be the most complete team we see in college football. Um, they they are really good at every facet of the game. They're really well coached. And the fact that places like ESPN are predicting Florida to win, it baffles me. So I think this one's going to be Utah to cover, Utah to win, Utah to win big. So you got. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a seventeen to twenty point victory. Okay, so you're going more than me. Uh, are you going? Are you putting the over or under on here by chance? The over under is at fifty one and a half. Yeah, I know. Uh, Did you want to add the uh, total on any of these? Um, no, I think we're good where we're at. I think this one. I will put the over. I think Utah is gonna win this game. Like. 34 to 14 or something like that. Okay, so you're going over, all right? For sure. Okay. No, I'm, I'm with you. I really love Utah. And I don't think – I don't maybe see I, – I get why people like at ESPN would be bet, saying Florida would win because that's the precedent. You have good team from a non-SEC conference coming in to face an SEC-style team, and usually they just get manhandled. And but I think Utah's the type of team that won't get manhandled, and I really feel like that Ohio State game was a moment of oh shit, we belong with the upper echelon. We hadn't seen that in quite some time, and it was awesome to see. Okay, yeah. Final one: Notre Dame, Ohio State. Ohio State is seventeen and a half point favorites. I do not care about that, but what I care about is I think this has the potential to be really good. I'm in there's I this honestly could go any 17,000 different ways. Uh I I don't know if anything necessarily will truly shock me, but I'm excited for this game because I think excuse me. I think Notre Dame's really good. And I feel like last year they were ahead of schedule. I feel like this team was really young and inexperienced last year, and this year they have really, you know, shored things up. They have a very experienced O-line now after last year. Again, like I said, being ahead of schedule. I think they have a couple good skill guys that are solid. Obviously, they have one of the tight, top tight ends in the country, Michael Mayer. The only thing that's a very big question mark, of course, is the inexperience at quarterback with Tyler uh, Buckner making his first career start on Saturday night. But Tommy Reese, they, they, the fact that they the Brian Kelly thing happened and they responded the way they did with Marcus Freeman as head coach and Tommy Reese staying and everybody galvanizing the troops and nobody leaving the infrastructure. I really think this Notre Dame team is really, really good. Now, do they have what it takes to finally hang with some of the big boys? I don't know. We're going to find out. But I do think that no matter what, I really think this team is really good. I think that they're going to have a style 
that is going to make this game interesting. And I here's my bl picture perfect blueprint if I'm a Notre Dame fan onto how to make this game go in your favor. You watch the Michigan tape and you run it back a thousand times because Ohio State their biggest deficiency is defense. Their second and third level on defense stinks, Mac. And it is it hasn't been good for a couple of years. Their second and third level of defense hasn't been really good since what? 2019 when they had that I mean they had that team was juiced superstar wise on defense and offense. But uh since like guys like Okuda and company left uh uh Fuller as well Jordan Fuller they really haven't been able to play dudes like that in the second and third level. I think Notre Dame has the style to potentially make Ohio State's second and third level work. That's where I think this game actually gets interesting. So I think Notre Dame's going to cover. I if I had to pick, I I would still pick Ohio State because I also think Ohio State is. I'm not. I'm saying all this not because I think no Ohio State isn't good. I think Ohio State is really fucking awesome. I think Notre Dame also is really awesome. I think this game is going to be great. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to hang around for longer than people will expect. Will Ohio State maybe at the end win comfortably by 14 points? Highly expect, like highly, highly possible. But I do think Notre Dame has the tools and the intangibles to make this thing interesting because of the question mark still with Ohio State's defense. And the, I, Notre Dame has to make this ugly. If this if they're not able to sustain drives and Ohio State's offense is just living out there, even though Notre Dame's defense I think is going to be good, Ohio State's just got too many pros, man, on that side of the ball with CJ and Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh Fleming and Harrison and Trey Hender uh and Trey Henderson at running back. Like they just got too many pros at the right spots and they're going to they're going to dunk on you for 60 minutes. But if Notre Dame can make it ugly, I think that that's where they can really hang around. I know Ohio State's got a new D coordinator, but the questions, Mac, they're going to be, and I'm sure you'll agree, the the questions of the defense are going to be there until we see improvement. And last year in games against the Oregons and against Michigan and even against Utah, obviously, it wasn't pretty against a team that can be effective and efficient, and I think Notre Dame is effective and efficient, and that's why I think Notre Dame is going to hang around. Am I shocked it's at 17-and-a-half a little? I think it's too high. Um, I think Notre Dame will cover. I'm not going to pick Notre Dame to win, because, but I think both teams are great, and I think it's going to be fun to see the styles. Um, and I think Notre Dame will shock some people by them actually being able to hang around. But again, they have to check those boxes of consistency, sustaining drives, things like that. Because if they don't, then that's where Ohio State's going to just pour it on, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I okay. I'm going to say this. I agree with pretty much everything you just said. I do. I think Notre Dame, if they can play a very sound game, very, you know, they they have to control the ball. They have to control possession to make sure that this game is even close. Yep. If they can't if they can't keep the ball for more than like four or five minutes of drive, Ohio State's gonna put their throttle down and they're gonna go for the jugular early. Um, I do think, like you said, bringing back you know keeping the foundation of Notre Dame together outside of Brian Kelly was the most important thing that Notre Dame could have done. 
Marcus, I'm I'm a huge fan of Marcus Freeman. I think Notre Dame's going to be very good this year. I just think it's going to be a lot to handle for a first time, a first game starting quarterback going into the horseshoe on a Saturday night. It's going to be a lot, but it's going to be so I dope to see it's that. Gonna be, it's going to be it's going to be great, and it's going to be high quality television. I think it's just going to overwhelm him a little bit. Um, I do think Ohio State defensively. I think they're going to be a lot better than what we saw last year. Jim Knowles bringing him in as a defensive coordinator was a no-brain hire by yeah. Ryan Day. No, like, I think I'm with it. I, I mean, he, he he. The fact that I'm saying this because like he made Oklahoma State's defense as good as they were in a right. conference that you just see them throwing the ball over the yard. No, I I agree with you on the Knowles hire. I think it was great. I'm just saying that the questions are going to be there until they, you know. Until they're like they prove otherwise. Now I will say this: the last time they had a high-level coordinator was when Jeff Hathley was there. Now, granted, granted, they obviously had dudes like they had superstar pros on their defense, but a high-level coordinator and Jeff Hathley, who ended up he's now the coach at Boston College, that's when that defense was gr- like actually grinding and highly and effective. Like Maybe no one can bring that out. Yeah, no, I agree. Maybe Knowles can bring that back out, but I'm just worried they just don't have the dudes to overcome, like to overcome the deficiencies they have sure. in defense, and that's why my ceiling for Ohio State compared to other teams in the in the in the country, like a team like Bama, of course, isn't. That's what I would worry about them in that in a like in in that world. I, I, but, I, get, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. My so for this game though, I, I my concern for Notre Dame is that they're going to have to play the game a lot with, between the tackles. And where is Ohio State their best on defense? It's the front seven. Um, their secondary is not like it's not the strongest part of that defense. It's usually the, uh, the defensive line is their best part. Mm-hmm. Their edge rush is still really good, even though their secondary breaks down a lot. Um, I think Ohio State offense against that defense, I don't think Notre Dame has the dudes to match what Ohio State can do. Mm-hmm. And that's no slight to them. Like I, I think Notre Dame, they're going to have a really good. Like I said, they're going to have a really good season defensively. They're going to be really good. Um, I think seventeen and a half might be a little high. I think I think the game's going to become around like a seventeen point game at the end. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say it's going to be the under. But Ohio State wins. It's going to be a. They're going to Notre Dame's going to play them close for three quarters. Then and State then Ohio play. State, they'll they'll put the foot on the throttle on the fourth, and they they just won't be able to stop it. All right, so who do you got covering? I have Notre Dame at plus seventeen. So I got plus seventeen and a half in here, so I'll give it to you. And you've got the under, or you got the over? Yeah, it, they're gonna it's gonna smash the over. So over fifty nine and a half. I think it's gonna be yeah. closer to like seventy seventy five. Yeah, because it could definitely be like. 38 to like 24 something like that and that would yeah wreck the over so no i could see that happening i could see that happening all right we did good so quick recap uh houston utsa mac and i both have utsa covering four and a half cincinnati arkansas i have cincinnati plus six and a half and money line mac has the minus six and a half UNC App State, we both have App State covering one and a half, and we both have the money line. Oregon, uh, Georgia, 
I have Georgia minus 16 and a half in the under 53 and a half. Mac has Oregon plus 16 and a half under 53 and a half. Utah, Florida in Gainesville. We both have Utah covering and Mac has over 51 and a half and I have under 51 and a half. Of course, Utah covering two and a half and Notre Dame, Ohio State. We both have Notre Dame covering 17 and a half in Columbus and Mac has the over of 59 and a half. Mac, thank you as always. Can't wait to do this every week. Sinister Six, juicy as always. Next week will be a lot easier because we won't have to. I was fish. just gonna say that we won't have to fish for we won't have to fish for college games that aren't as entertaining to talk about. It's that, and we also are gonna have games in the NFL where you're gonna get lines between three and a half and five and a half, and mm. it's a lot easier to mess with. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot more. Con- it's a lot more going back and forth than oh, there's this thirteen point spread we have to discuss. All right, brother. Thanks as always. All right. Thanks to Mac for joining us for the Sinister Six. Again, next Tuesday, we will be dropping a preseason Elite Eight. We'll have some week one college football reactions. Uh, So preseason NFL Elite Eight, week one college football reactions next Tuesday. Next Thursday, we will have our – or next Friday, I should say, Thursday night game, opening night. The Rams-Bills will have a reaction to that, as well as the Sinister Six. Mac and I will be on that as well. All that fun stuff. Tune in next time. We appreciate you for listening. This has been the Educated Ignorance Podcast. And as always, remember, man, if you ain't got the game, you best pass the sticks. We'll see you next time. Until then, we are out.